0: Welcome to the Dover Download Podcast, your weekly look at what's going on in Dover, what's going in in Dover, and all things Dover-related. My name is Chris Parker, and I'm the deputy city manager here in Dover, and I'm going to walk you through all of that, plus more. One of the things that the city of Dover prides itself on, especially the municipal corporation, is that we have a council that sets goals. And then as staff, we work with the council in support of those goals. One of the current council's goals is to create a citywide resilience plan. We luckily have a resilience manager on staff who the podcast listeners might recall is Jackson Gaspari, excuse me, Dr. Jackson Gaspari. Jackson is going to join us again today to talk about where we're at with that plan and some other elements that he's been working on over the past year. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Chris, for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, happy to talk about the Citywide Resilience Plan. It was a really neat effort being able to work with a lot of the committees in Dover, as well as the council, in forming this plan and trying to capture a lot of content that really represents the city's goals with regards to resiliency. And so there was, you know, great emphasis placed on including information within the plan that wasn't included in prior key climate-related documents the city has categorized and put on our website. And so there was a lot of focus on energy, for example, and looking at things like municipal solar expansion, um, the potential of a Dover community power program, energy efficiency and conservation opportunities, and details on forest and ecosystem management and other topics. And so, By taking in some input from groups like the Open Lands Committee, the Conservation Commission, and the Energy Commission, uh, we were able to really prepare a plan that I think is incredibly valuable for the city and and sets a great work strategy for specifically my position to help oversee some of this implementation.
0: How much of this was a fresh start plan and how much of it was pulling together things that are maybe already kernels, maybe not fully developed, but kernels that are already in play and sort of gelling under this umbrella.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. So there are a lot of action items that have been established in the Plan 32 to be exact, but a good portion of the document is focused on synthesizing work that's already ongoing or has been completed to date, specifically sort of tying in the aspects of the role of the Planning and Community Development Department and the creation of my my position and the work I've been engaged in through that. And so I, I'd say it's a good mix of both. I mean, in some cases it's saying, okay, this is what we've done so far. Here are some great next steps to continue on this work. In other cases, it is it is new content of identifying locations for things like solar or electric vehicle supply equipment, also known as charging stations, uh, which previously haven't been sort of fully fleshed out in, in a document before.
0: To that end, I've
1: got to think that in some regards, this is an original idea,
0: but nothing's ever really original. Are there other communities in the state or the region that you look to for inspiration or guidance on how to put together this type of plan?
1: Yes, I'd say, you know, there are some other communities that have climate action plans, a little bit different in their nature. Um, But I was able to look at examples from Keene, for example, uh, Concord has an energy plan that I that I reference to give a little bit of a baseline on how to do something like this. As I'm also fortunate that I could bring experience from working on UNH's climate action plan to the table as well. And so while while there were other examples out there, I'd say this is this is different. It's a bit of a different approach than other communities have have gone with in terms of what content is is included. But I think that's what helps set Dover apart. One of the things that I find exciting about
0: your role is that the way the council and the manager framed resiliency, and one of the reasons why we went with that title for your role was to, to use it as a framework that it can apply across the organization and that it's not just about climate and it's not just about the environment. For instance, in the Business Development Office, I know you've had conversations with Reed and James about business resiliency and keying off uh, some COVID-era related elements and, and things that we did to put in place to help business resiliency, but also looking at not just municipal infrastructure or not just infrastructure in general, but how we can support and nurture the community, whether it's the residential community or the business community. And I think that's an interesting aspect to it. It's probably not one you thought you were applying for a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, no, that's true in that resiliency is broad and it certainly, there's a climate focus, but it certainly expands to other topics as well. I mean, take, take into account things that have happened with the cost of electricity, the cost of gas, and what's going on with the global energy markets. And, you know, there's a real opportunity to build in infrastructure on a local level to help in in an economic resilience standpoint, but then clearly there's also this great connection to climate as well. So it's been really cool to to focus on how the city can respond to all these types of of stresses that we may encounter and and really trying to get out in front of what we know is coming from a multitude of directions, not just from a climate perspective. From that regard, are you
0: able to collaborate with other municipal employees to the degree that you should be or are you kind of in a silo? And I know the answer that I want to hear.
1: So let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, I'm definitely not in a silo. I'm constantly able to work with you know municipal employees throughout a variety of departments. Within our own department, I work very heavily, obviously with the planning director and our outreach coordinator, but also our zoning administrator as well. I certainly am able to interface with the, with the legal department about a lot of matters involving contracts or easements or, or other types of issues. And we connect with en- engineering on a very regular basis, business development. So yes, absolutely. Um, that's one of the reasons I really appreciate the role I'm in is that I get to have this cross collaboration throughout the municipal organization and also with with the school department as well, trying to trying to start some more deep connections there. So what I hear is a challenge to find a way for you to interact with public welfare and the library. Yes, and actually, we've just started uh, interfacing more with the library in terms of outreach efforts. Okay. They've been a great resource in terms of that. And, and I've been talking with Denise, the library director, about uh, ways in which we can make resources available for folks that they could take home and, and help them understand their own energy use and situations in their households. For example, a, a kilowatt reader that you could plug into your outlet that would allow you to basically measure power draw from large appliances, and then maybe help you make informed decisions about uh, purchasing something more energy efficient.
0: That's really good to hear. The plan itself, the citywide resilience plan, as I said at the onset, this was a city council goal. And it was one of the goals, and, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions on the other goals, but it was one of the goals where there was actually some clear deadlines that the council asked for. Recognizing you were not part of that deadline creation and then it was it was handed to you as a gift what did you how did you tackle that project how did you think okay i gotta get this done and i wasn't at the meeting that decided we were gonna do it is that a oh man or is that a oh man type of reaction
1: well i was really honestly i was really excited about it um especially I was working with Donna and developing the initial timeline. I came up with an outline to start of, of topics that I felt would, would really capture where the council wants to go with this, and those were vetted. And then from there, you know, I would work on individual sections of it based off of information I was gathering at, at a current time, things that were fresh in my head. And then, you know, in the final, I'd say, month or so, there is a lot of focused work into making it a more cohesive document to make sure the flow is there, that they're in a relation with the content in the plan and the goals that was clearly outlined, and synthesizing that you know, implementation table as well, which I think will be really useful for tracking progress as, as things progress. So we've talked about this in
0: some esoteric fashions. If the listener wants to actually read it and participate and engage with the plan, short of showing up at your doorstep and having you walk them through it, where's a
1: good, how do they find it? How do they get engaged? Yep. So the listeners should go check out the Resilient Dover webpage, which has a lot of useful subpages, but one of the subpages is dedicated solely to the Citywide Resilience Plan. You can find my contact info there. You can find a link to the plan and sort of a description or a mission statement on on what's included as well. Um, So please, please check it out. Let me know if you have any comments or questions about it. I love to be able to talk to people about this type of work. Right. So the plan was completed, Mm -hmm. presented to the city council. Yes. And
0: in February, they adopted the plan, if I recall.
1: Yes, that's correct. It was endorsed by the planning board and then uh, subsequently officially adopted by the city council, which was a really exciting moment for, for, I would say, for me, but the organization as a whole and the city as a whole. I mean, this... This vision that the council has set is um, really, really amazing. And I think it will provide a, a lot of great community benefit.
0: One of the things that I like to point out to other people in other communities is how when we try to do things in, a, in an innovative style here, sometimes we we want to be a trailblazer and sometimes we just are. And in this case, talking to Donna and, and her walking me through how the way the two of you sort of laid it out is that it's going to effectively be a master plan chapter It's not, maybe not under the umbrella that the state says, here's master plan chapters, but by bringing it to the planning board, by going through a a process that engaged the energy commission, the planning board, all of these sort of public entities, we're sort of using it within that flow and thinking of it as part of our strategic planning efforts. And that's one of those things I think helps make us stand out that we're looking at the integration and the synergy and all the other buzzwords I like to throw around on the podcast. And, and so I appreciate what, from a staff standpoint, what that must have been like for you to go and pull it together, because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing from a complexity standpoint to actually do it. So I appreciate the the, the time and effort you put into that. And Thank you. And uh, certainly, although they're, they're not here today, I recognize too that the Energy Commission, they really did a lot of, of work as well, fleshing it out, working with you on on the development of it.
1: Yeah, they they provided some valuable feedback and, and advice guiding the direction of, of some of the more energy intensive sections of the document. And you know, have always been just an amazing sounding board for helping guide the city's direction in terms of energy advances.
0: At the same time as they were helping you with the resilience plan, they were also working on our energy aggregate plan mm-hmm. as part of the community power. Coalition work that you're engaged with, and uh, I'd be remiss if not to congratulate you on now being our the City of Dover's director. Uh, the previous director really let a lot of balls slip, and and uh, wasn't that that good at it. So I, I think we've
1: upgraded, which is good. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I appreciate the uh, congratulations. And yes, congratulations to the Energy Commission and the city for having the electric aggregation plan adopted by the council and then subsequently submitting that plan to the Public Utilities Commission for for approval. And so we're hopeful that that will get approved by the PUC, which is really a major step forward for the development of the community power program. It's not binding at this this point in time, but it does really establish the goals and objectives for the program and really serves as a blueprint as to how that program would operate if it launches. I I think we talked about this before when you were in, but just as a refresher, the
0: Community Power Coalition, it's 28 communities at this point uh, that, that are pulling together to, as an aggregate, buy electricity on behalf of the residents and businesses and property owners, really, in their communities, to try to uh, not just get a better rate, but if I understand it correctly, also try to, to have more renewables and to offer some variety in how people receive their electric uh, supplies. Is that?
1: Yeah, that's that's a good um no, maybe. Synopsis as a board member. That's a good synopsis, I'd say. Yeah, it, really, the core concept is, like you mentioned, combining forces with other communities to leverage pooled purchasing power. So, you know, the more electricity you can bring to the table for a purchasing perspective, generally the better rates that you can achieve. And it's more complicated than that in this sense, but that is a big advantage of this. And then on top of that, the coalition is going to offer through these individual programs more product options than folks currently have available to them. So even at a base level, the goal is to include a little bit higher mixes of renewable energy. But not only that, there'll be opt-up choices where you can get, say, 50% renewable energy or carbon-free energy, or 100% uh, renewable or carbon-free energy.
0: And are we still on track to be what's considered a Wave 2 community?
1: Yes. I'd say we, we fit into that Wave 2 category. There are eight communities now that have executed service contracts that are preparing to launch programs this coming spring. We're, you know, actively obviously working through this process, but are more leaning towards that wave two timeline, which might put us out into spring of 2024, depending on the economic conditions. What's next? Like
0: you have a ton on your plate and I appreciate that both from a it's great. We wanted you to have a ton on your plate and you were energetic and you wanted to have a ton on your plate. But how are you organizing what, or prioritizing maybe is a better word, what you can tackle? Because you can't tackle it all in, in the second year of your employment here. Sure. Um, what, what are you looking at as your next priority? Yeah,
1: so, so that's whatever c- Donna tells you. <laughs> well, that's certainly part of it. I mean, t- t- listening to you know what leadership's goals are and, and what they'd like me to work on is very important. I just sat down actually this morning and created a master project spreadsheet right. for myself to try to track everything that was going on. I have about 18 active projects right now, which is great, really exciting, can be a little overwhelming at times, but now I'm developing methods on, on how to manage those projects effectively, which I think I've worked for me pretty well so far Um, i also have what i called my i guess my project whiteboard so to speak but i have a a segmented you know eight-part whiteboard and i'm consistently within each category related to committees or special projects writing down the next active thing that i would have to do in in each of those so don't worry i'm always keeping myself busy with one thing or another throughout the day i have no doubt that that is the case and
0: uh, i think i've told you before and I tell a lot of younger employees as they, they get into the system that you never have to worry about having something added to your task list. There's, there's always something to do. And the, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that it might look like it's ever growing, but you are accomplishing things. And that's, to me, the beauty of the proactive nature that, that the manager has here is that there's always something to do. And we, I don't think, take enough time to celebrate our successes and to look back and say, wow, we did that. right." But we do a lot. We provide a lot of productive outcome for the residents here. And I think the city council recognizes that and has been supportive of it. And that's why we get to do more fun things. That's why we can do a first in the state citywide resilience plan, because the council knows you've got this strong baseline underneath you. And I've said it before on the podcast, that I've said it before, hopefully to you, that your role was one we fought for. We, we had to, I think, ask for it three or four years in a row. But every time, part of it was, this position's going to show the value in year one. And seeing the potential, and that potential was elevated with you as the incumbent in that role because you came to us with such a, a good baseline and understanding of the community, I think that the sky's going to be the limit. I, you know, I hate to be that person that, that is like, Jackson, why aren't we doing more? But it's partly because I think you've got that, that drive in you to begin with.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons I was so excited to come back and work for the city is I had a really good appreciation and understanding that the employees that work for the city really are are go-getters and they want to get projects done. They want to help benefit the community. And I, you know, being a part of things that have already come to fruition and been really powerful and and forward thinking, you know, it's, it's incredibly rewarding. I mean, this is a community I, I obviously care deeply about, have been a part of for a long time and, and live in now. So add all of those elements in, and it's a really great job.
0: One of the things another podcast topic will do, but if you want to throw some two cents in on it now, that's cool. It strikes me that there is a generational changing of the guard and that you, I look at the, the planning department and of the seven members, all of the professional staff, uh, short of one, and in a lot of ways, Dave thinks like a millennial, uh, but you're all 32 and younger, 33 and, you know, you're all, and I don't know exact ages, but my perception is that you are definitely all in the the millennial category. And that's great because you're the ones that can solve the problems that have been sitting around uh, because they're going to be less esoteric and much more tangible as you continue to grow. And I've, it's, it's cool seeing that from, from my standpoint, uh, seeing that sort of shift of mindset. And I'm glad that Donna has you, has others on the team
1: that are forward-thinking, but also grounded. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it is a great team to work with. And there is a lot of energy, like you said. It, it's neat working with people from a diverse mix of backgrounds and lived experiences. And I feel like we've We've all been able to come together and really already accomplish a lot, having not been care at the organization for very long. Cool.
0: I'll leave it up to you since you've been back. Uh, this is your second time, so I'm not going to ask you your three favorite things about the community, uh, but uh, I'll let you have the last word. So if there's something you want to leave the, the listener with, unless it gets edited out,
1: have the last word. I just want to thank you again for having me on Today's podcast, always a great opportunity to come share a little bit with with the community. And I just think this is such a a neat outlet to reach folks um, throughout the city.
0: Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming in and participating and making this the podcast that it is. Have a great day. You too. With almost 400 years of history, Dover's got a
2: lot to tell. Up next, Mike Gillis is going to walk us through what happened this week. This week in 1856, Dover's first mayor, Andrew Pierce, took the oath of office. The year before, in 1855, Dover had petitioned the state legislature to allow for the town's incorporation as a city. In September of 1855, residents at Dover's town meeting voted 498 to 454 to accept the city charter granted by the legislature. Dover, which was New Hampshire's oldest permanent settlement, was ready to start a new chapter. At the ceremony, Pierce accepted Dover's official seal and records from the chair of the Board of Selectmen, Charles Clements. With a change in government to a city, Dover's selectmen, who were first elected in 1647, were no more. Pierce seemed the right person for the job as Dover's first mayor, and despite his age, the 70-year-old Pierce was up to the task. Pierce was a prominent local businessman who served as moderator at every town meeting from 1822 to 1829 and served in the legislature from 1817 to 1824 once as Speaker of the House. Dover's transition to a city form of government was intended to help improve the community by enabling its government to do more for its residents. One of the early changes was Municipal Fire Service. Before Dover was a city, the town relied on private fire companies, but as a city, Dover was able to form its own fire department. Under a city charter, improvements were also made to the city's waterworks and public schools. During his inaugural speech, Mayor Pierce said funding for the city's schools was wholly inadequate, something he vowed to change. He pointed out that voters in Dover, in 1855, had only approved one thousand dollars for the schools even though the state required a minimum investment of about five thousand dollars pierce said part of the problem was the inequity of the previous form of government where 12 separate school districts in dover managed their schools separately by taxing district residents dover's district 2 was one of the richest districts and was able to construct dover's first high school while students in other districts were confined to a single cramped schoolhouse under the first city charter, Dover's governing body actually consisted of two bodies, six aldermen and 18 common council members. This was vastly different than under the previous form of government, which was overseen by three selectmen. The new system of government was intended to encourage more people to participate in local governance. The charter at that time gave the board of aldermen the power to, quote, appoint a city marshal and assistance, Police officers, watchmen, the superintendent of the school committee, and collector of taxes, and to remove the same for sufficient cause." End quote. The city council had all the powers, quote, "vested by law in the town of Dover, or the inhabitants thereof as a municipal corporation. End quote. The city council was allowed to establish, modify, and repeal ordinances. Dover's transition to a city would also coincide with some of its most significant growth spurred by a new industry at the city's sprawling mills, new modes of travel, electric lights, and a booming economy that saw the creation of numerous businesses. More change to Dover's form of government would occur too, including a vote to adopt a city-manager, city council form of government, which remains how Dover is governed today. Dover would hold a grand celebration in 1955 to celebrate the 100th anniversary of Dover's incorporation as a city, and this year, Dover will also celebrate its 400th year as New Hampshire's oldest town and the seventh oldest permanent settlement in the country.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dover Download this week. If you like what you heard, subscribe through your favorite podcast aggregator. And if you have something you want to hear a topic on, let us know. Finally, this is just one of the many ways we share information about the City of Dover. You can subscribe to the Dover Downloads email newsletter every week or other newsletters that we have by going to the City of Dover homepage, www.dover.nh.gov. Have a great week.